but I would definitely say with like Guatemala, it wasn't in a hotel. So that was a huge house that we stayed in. Mm. You know, everybody had a roommate once again. I remember just being really getting to know the staff. Like they felt like family. And maybe it's because I did have some of the, the some of the Spanish speaking skills that I'm there, mm-hmm. you know, speaking the language and some of the foods are very similar to what I eat. So I remember really getting to know the staff, but specifically the kitchen staff, because I like to eat. And my room was right <laughs> next door to the kitchen. So I remember like smelling the the tortillas they were making in the morning. You can hear them patting them. You can hear them laughing and talking. And I just, it just felt like home away from home. Mm-hmm. But I do remember having to adapt to certain things. You know, they didn't really have hot water. So we were having like cold showers and it wasn't really like really good electricity. So it was really hard to communicate back at home with family, which, you know, that's another issue because I have my child at home. I don't know if there's an emergency, but I checked in whatever I could when when I did have service. Um, Hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle. And I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Natasha as the guest. Natasha, in her own words, wears many hats, (laughs) including being an educator, working in higher ed, running her own business called Journey Mom, and also being a diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, specialist. And she was also born and raised in Washington, D.C., Speaking of which, I realized when I was putting this episode together that there have been quite a few guests from D.C. or the D.C. area on Young, Gifted, and Abroad lately. There's been Jessica from episode 82, Farah from episode 86, Jeannie from episode 87, and Adrian from episode 93, and now Natasha. So I did not plan for things to be that way. It was not intentional. But it's a nice little coincidence, right? (laughs) So anyway, like I said, Natasha is from DC and she's currently based there as well. And she's actually a daughter of immigrants. Her mother is from Panama and Natasha grew up having a few of her Panamanian relatives around her. So that's a really big part of her background and also was part of what motivated her to study romance languages in college. There was a period where she was studying French, Spanish, and Italian at the same time. And being a romance major at her university would have required her to study abroad for a year. But that wasn't ideal because Natasha became a mom while she was in college. And she wound up getting a degree in history, so that one-year study abroad requirement didn't stand anyway. But Natasha still managed to go abroad three times while an undergrad with the support of her family who looked after her son while she was away. So Natasha spent a few weeks studying Italian language and culture in Italy. And then she spent a couple weeks doing an alternative break community service project in Guatemala where she was helping to renovate a school there. And then during her final year of undergrad, Natasha spent a few weeks in Costa Rica where she studied history and Spanish and also polished off her salsa dancing. So Natasha has a wide variety of experiences to draw from 
Studying abroad made Natasha realize that she wanted to keep traveling, and so since then she's been able to do just that, traveling for both work and for leisure. So we talked about all of that, of course. And part of what Natasha does professionally involves facilitating DEI trainings. So we talked about how she feels like she was predisposed to doing that type of work because she grew up in a multicultural household and also experienced other things that made her really respect and appreciate people's differences. And we also touched on where she stands in terms of doing DEI work with genuine intentions as opposed to simply maintaining the status quo. So yeah, lots of really thought-provoking ideas to look forward to in this conversation. And last but not least, I want to thank a woman named Shamiko Reed for connecting me with Natasha. Shamiko and I are in the same podcasting group, and I had posted in that group last year when I was looking for new guests in the fall. And in March, so last month, Shamiko responded to that post and was like, oh, I think I might know a couple people, and ended up sending Natasha my way. So thanks, Shamiko, for connecting us. And without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Natasha Rodriguez. But anyway, uh, of course, I'm also happy to be able to talk to you today. <laughs> Thanks for agreeing to be on the, a guest on the show and for uh, making time to speak with me on such short notice. No problem. I was happy that my friends sent over the information. I mean, I know the, the deadline passed a while ago, but I, saw, oh, I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know if you still need it, but I was like, eh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't even think to delete that. That was when I was looking specifically in the fall. I'm basically, yeah, I'm still looking for people this year. That post was just for a specific period of time. So you didn't miss any deadline. I just forgot that I had posted that there. But I guess it's good that I left it up because I got to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I looked at your website. I watched the, the introductory video that you made for Journey Mom. And so I know that you went abroad three times when you were an undergrad while having a child at home, which I think is that's beyond me. That's that's so phenomenal to me because I don't even know how I could manage that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But uh, I'm sure there's more to the story that you would like to fill in yourself. So why don't we start with okay. you just introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, it's always hard with the introductions. I'm like, I'm not exactly sure what to say, you know? Um, <laughs> Do I talk about professional, personal, a bit of both? Uh, uh, whatever's but... on your heart, whatever you feel like talking about. It's all good to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, my name is Natasha Rodriguez, a.k.a. Journey Mom, born and raised in D.C. I went to University of Maryland College Park for undergrad. Uh, my studies specifically we're in everything, but what I graduated with <laughs> was a degree in um, social and cultural history, specifically with a concentration in Latin American studies and Korean studies. Hmm. Even though I'm a D.C. girl at heart, born and raised here, I do cl- classify myself as a global citizen because I have made the globe my home. I'm very 
passionate about learning about different cultures. I'm very curious and inquisitive. I love telling the stories of my adventures. Yeah, so I don't know if that if that's enough, but that's like a snippet of mm-hmm. some of the things that I do. I would say I'm, I do wear a lot of different hats, mm. um, you know, as a mother, as a daughter, um, as a sister, an educator, a mentor, and a lot of other things. But a lot of times I'm always like juggling a lot of these things, you know, working mm. my nine to five, I work for higher ed, I am adjunct faculty, I run my business, I have my son. And I still try to volunteer as much as possible. So I definitely am a busybody. I like staying busy and productive. Mm. <laughs> um, it keeps me focused and out of trouble, so to speak. So yeah, that's a little bit in a nutshell about about me. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Uh, definitely gives, I guess, a snapshot of, of uh, learning about who you are as a person and all the many things you're up to. <laughs> you mentioned when you were an undergrad, you... You studied, like, everything before you, like, landed on what you ended up uh, graduating, what your degree ended up being in. I guess that would mean that you were undecided or you had just a lot of interest at the time? Yes. It was a lot of different things. I will say this. I don't think I mentioned this in my introduction. I am the daughter of immigrants. Mm. And so I had no plans of going to college. I'll definitely say that. Mm. However, when I did get to college... It was kind of like, all right, what are you going to do? And I was undecided for a little bit, just taking my prereqs and and gen ed courses. But I think what really tripped me up was once I found out that I was pregnant, that's when my major started really fluctuating. Um, Because I started off trying to do international business. Math is not my strongest suit. And anyone (laughs) knows about University of Maryland's Smith School of Business will will understand it is a very competitive, rigorous program. And my math skills said, nope, that's not for you. Mm. (laughs) So I had to switch pretty quickly. um, And I decided that I wanted to explore dance because one of my best friends at the time was was looking at being a dance major and I was like okay I'll you know I want to do dance too I have a a huge appreciation for it not as talented in dance as my friend but I really appreciated it Hmm. and after I got pregnant it was really hard to dance being pregnant so I was like well (laughs) I don't want to be behind so I was like I need to figure something else out that I'm actually really good in and I've always been really good with reading and writing so Mm -hmm. started looking into like English and journalism um But that still wasn't my niche. And what kind of really led to the study abroad was my um, passion for romance languages. I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to speak a different language. And Mm. so I was taking French, Italian, and Spanish. And their requirement was to study abroad for a year to get the language proficiency. But obviously having my son made it difficult. So I was like, well, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work out. But Mm -hmm. I tried to be very creative and strategic. And I went away during like a winter term for a couple of weeks or like a summer term for a couple of weeks to try to see if it could add up to a year. It it did not add up to a year whatsoever. (laughs) But um, it did allow me to be able to to go abroad. That kind of was the impetus behind how, how I was able to go abroad was because of studying romance languages. And I ended up with a history degree because I took a couple of history courses. I love the professors and their passion for history. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I actually really enjoyed this. And it's had so well, especially with my concentration, learning some of the languages, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and it had the reading and writing component. Um, we're exploring places that my ancestors are from. So it just kind of 
on its own, it, it worked its way out. History was was my degree. It was about learning about people, language, and cultures. And yeah, that is kind of how Journey Mom came to be on its own. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. If I remember correctly, your parents are from Panama. Is that right? Yes. That so, is correct. My mom's dad is from Panama. Yep. Okay. Um, so did you already have a background? You mentioned studying Spanish. So I was wondering if you already had a background speaking Spanish at home. Yes. So I did. I would definitely say I did not classi- classify myself as a native speaker. So I would definitely say, you know, my grandparents spoke Spanish you know, fluently in the house. My mother and my aunts, not so much um, because when they came, they were still pretty young. So there was a lot of um, assimilation, adaptation to the new place that they were in. So they mm-hmm. spoke English a lot more in the household. So there was literally a combination of English and Spanish being spoken. So I would definitely say growing up, I definitely spoke Spanglish, but growing up and going to predominantly black schools, I didn't have a reason to speak English. So, Mm. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't have a reason to speak Spanish because my friends didn't speak it. So I was naturally always speaking English, but I did have the background for it, which made it easier when I took Spanish because I already had the accent. I understood how, you know, certain things work together. Yeah. Um, so it was more like conversational Spanish, which is very different from the textbook Spanish. So I needed to learn the reading and writing skills for it too. I see. Okay. Yeah. So you were like, um, oh, what was it called? Because I used to, I studied French and I would hear this phrase and I can't remember what it was. Um, a, a heritage learner. I don't know if you ever heard that phrase. So you're not a native speaker, but as you mentioned, like you, maybe your parents are from the, this country and you, you grew up speaking this language. You basically had more exposure than the average person who is just taking the class and doesn't have any prior like experience with it. So it's like part of your heritage, even though you're mm-hmm. not a native speaker. Yep. So I think that's what's called a heritage learner or something. I have to look that up later on. But anyway, <laughs> um, okay. And so the first, experience you went on the first study abroad thing you did was to Italy right um yes, that's correct. why did you choose Italy and, and what was that what was that trip about so let's see I want to say I probably was taking Italian at the time so <laughs> if you're taking romance languages do not take all three at the same time <laughs> I can definitely tell you that I took all three at the same time and I was speaking the wrong one in different classes oh so, my goodness yes <laughs> Went to Italy because I think I was studying. Well, I was studying all three at the time, but I was like, you know what? Like, I want to go to Italy. I don't know. It just seemed like one of those romantic places. I always, you know, wanted to go because of, like, the food. I just wanted to see what it was about. Hmm. Um, and you said, what was the experience like? It was, it, it was, <laughs> it was great once I got there. I have hmm. really bad flight anxiety. And so I didn't know that until... I was on the plane. Mm-hmm. I had not flown since I was a, a young child when I when I went to go visit my family in Panama. I was in elementary school. But mm-hmm. here I am, you know, semi an adult. I'm a college student. I'm on this plane. And I remember leaving during, it was like really, like it was like inclement weather. I definitely was like, it was a, we were leaving a snowstorm. And I remember 
just having really bad turbulence the majority of the trip. And I remember just like crying and like hyperventilating. And I was just like, land this plane now. And it's like, that's not how this works. It has to be a medical emergency. And I'm like, what this is? I'm losing my mind here. Um, So I learned that I have flight anxiety. And I mean, that's a long flight to be on. It's not like I was on an hour flight. That was a seven hour flight. Mm. Um, But once we got there, I could definitely say like, I was enjoying... Just everything that it had to offer was a completely new space. It was beautiful. Um, like I said, the food was really good. I got to make some some friends from from class. The excursions. I remember, like, I think my favorite thing was was hiking through something called Cinque Terre, mm. and it's on the coast and it's just super colorful and it's by the port. Because I studied in Geneva, which is a port city. And okay. so um, got to go away on the weekends to visit, like, you know, Milano. I'm sorry, I'm well, to Milan. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and a couple of other surrounding towns as well. But, yeah, I think I picked it just, just because what I thought it was at the time. Didn't really go on with the expectation. I didn't know what to expect. And everything mm-hmm. was just so brand new. Um, I think for me, every time I smell clementines and and focaccia bread, I get very nostalgic because that was like my breakfast every morning walking to class. I would stop off at the bakery, get me something after class. I would go get cheese and prosciutto ham. Um, those are things that make me very nostalgic about, about Italy and their pizza. Their pizza is amazing, even though it doesn't have the presentation as we do. I think we focused a lot more on presentation here when it was there. They, they threw a whole bunch of stuff on my pizza and it did not look appetizing, but it tastes amazing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you all don't focus on presentation, but it tastes good. So it's a lot of little things that I do miss about, about Italy. Yeah. And the animated people, I'll definitely say that. It sounds like they're singing and rhyming when they talk and they always have their hands moving. And I was just like, oh, like, I just love the way that they talk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that does sound wonderful. And I can totally, I totally um, understand the the nostalgia you can get from certain foods, you know. Um, oh, okay. So this was like only a couple weeks, right? Yes, I was there. It was like anywhere between three and four weeks. It was okay. pretty, pretty short. Yeah. And was this like, um, was it focused on language learning or was there a specific like theme yes. or something to the program? Yes, it was specifically on language and culture. Yep. Okay. Okay. And that was three or four weeks in Italy. In Genova? Is that how you say it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. I've always looked at it and, and thought Genova, but maybe that's just because I have like Genovia or from the Princess Diaries in my head. Yes. But yes. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah. So that was, that was Italy. And, um, so it wasn't your first time going out of the country. As you mentioned, you went to Panama when you were a child, but like first time as like, um, an adult or like, like you said, almost an adult, you know? Um, (laughs) yeah. yeah, So, I mean, how did that feel in terms of like, if I remember from your video, I think your family was fairly supportive, but I mean, how did that feel you know, leaving your, your child at home to go do this thing. I, I mean, did you, did you feel any type of way about it? Like, um, I don't know. What were your feelings about that? I was definitely torn, you know. Um, some people didn't understand why I needed to go or weren't 100% supportive of it. But I don't know. I'm, I'm a very, like, persistent semi-persuasive. I'm just very passionate about what I do. And so everyone knows like I'm super ambitious and driven and Mm -hmm. goal-oriented. So it's like when Tasha has her eyes set on something, she's going to do it no matter what. So I was just like, I want to do this. Um, 
And like I said, I, I honestly do believe sometimes the universe really just works in your favor because I had no clue how I was going to afford it. That was mm-hmm. a that was another issue. But, you know, scholarships paid for it. You know, the only thing I had to pay for was my flight and to have a little bit of spending money while I was there. But I would definitely say I was sad, you know, um, my son was six months old. He was teething. Mm. Uh, so I, I did get to escape the crying for a little bit. I, 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 yeah, I did escape that. But I was sad when I did return, though, because I missed out on the process. When I came back, his teeth were there. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I, like, I, saw, I, I saw that they were going to come. I mm-hmm. thought I was going to wait till I got there. It didn't wait. They, they were back by the time I came. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I missed it. Um, but I'll definitely say the first week, it was like, okay, this is kind of like a semi because I mean, I'm going there for studies, a semi-vacation away mm. from home. But then the second week, I found myself super, super homesick. And I found myself crying. And my teacher was just like, you know, what's wrong? I was like, I miss my son. Like, mm. even though I'm FaceTiming them. Well, not I'm sorry. FaceTime wasn't even back then. No, I, w- I had my little webcam. I had to buy a webcam to oh. go on my laptop. Because my laptop didn't come with a webcam. And I remember, you know, Skyping them. Um, he can't talk. He's just looking in the camera staring blankly like okay like why aren't you here like he sees the screen but he's not understanding what's going on so I'm trying to talk to him Mm -hmm. I made sure I spoke with him every single day and then the third week I felt like went by so quickly so it's just like first week is like okay nice vacation second week is like I want to go home I want to be with my son and third week is like I blinked and it's like okay class is you know over and it's it's time to to head back home um Mm -hmm. so yeah it, it was tough but I am glad that I pushed myself to do it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And when I was, you know, looking through your website and watching the video, I was just thinking about how, like, uh, I mean, not that I know from experience, but it just seems like mothers, especially young moms, get so much judgment and scrutiny Mm -hmm. for, like, everything. (laughs) And so, yeah, I guess I was curious about um, if that had any... Um, impact on how you felt about this experience. But um, as you said, you know, you, you really wanted to do this and you, you pushed through and, and were able to do it, you know, with the support of your family and all that. So I'm glad that it worked out. And and so that was Italy. And then the next one, ooh, was that Guatemala or Costa Rica? Yes, it was. It Guatemala. was Guatemala. Yep. Okay. So what made you want to do the next one did you like as some people say catch the travel bug and just really wanted to go again um you know what what made you want to go for the guatemala trip so for that one it was so yes i did catch the travel bug i would definitely say that i mean don't get me wrong i still hated the flying (laughs) aspect of it but I love just who I could be while I was away. I mm. found myself evolving and changing just as a person because I just felt more in, more enlightened. And like, and I, that's something I always tell people is like, home will always remain home. When you come back, it just won't feel the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a different perspective now. And so I think, so for this one, this one was actually an alternative break program where you had to go and do a community-based project. Mm. So it wasn't several weeks. It was uh, like... Anywhere between 10 days to two weeks. So it definitely was half the time that I spent in Italy. And um, the project itself just kind of was interesting. They had a list of places that you can go to for all different types of projects. And the one that fascinated me the most, because I didn't know anything about it, was sustainable development. I had no clue what that term meant, anything. But the idea of it sounded really cool where you would go and you would help renovate a school. It was in a rural community that 
was at the base of a volcano. Mm. And so, I mean, that wasn't that wasn't the sales pitch, though, because my mom was just like, what? Like, you want to go there's a volcano? Like, are you crazy? And I'm like, well, I want to go for the project. I was like, the volcano's dormant. You know, it's not, like, active. So I was like, I, you know, I don't think it's magically going to erupt while I'm there. But um, I remember going and... I just, something about it was so magical. Um, the volcano was absolutely, like, breathtaking and gorgeous. I was like, how could something so destructive be so beautiful? Mm. The food was amazing. So, we, so unlike Italy, where we stayed in a hotel and we were paired up with a roommate. And I don't know if you, you I don't even know if I mentioned it in, in the video, but I do know I mentioned it in the blog. Like, just the little things that you learn when you go to different places. I'll definitely say when I was in Italy, that was my first time seeing a, a, a bidet. And I thought it was like a mini hand wash for someone. Who was that. Like, I literally thought so. And I mean, they were washing my hands in this. And oh, it was just, goodness. yeah, when I found out what it was, I was like, this, that's disgusting. Um, in addition to like, I was like, are there no overweight people in Italy? And I only say that because I remember mm. like how cramped our room was, how tiny the shower oh, was. It was yeah. just like, everything was just super, super confined. So I learned a lot navigating certain things with Italy, but I would definitely say with like Guatemala, it wasn't in a hotel. So that was a huge house that we stayed in. Mm. You know, everybody had a roommate once again. And um, I remember just being... Really getting to know the staff, like they felt like family, and maybe it's because I did have some of the the some of the Spanish speaking skills that I'm there, mm-hmm. you know, speaking the language, and some of the foods are very similar to what I eat. So I remember really getting to know the staff, but specifically the kitchen staff because I like to eat, and my room was <laughs> right next door to the kitchen. So I remember like smelling the the tortillas they were making in the morning. You can hear them patting them, you can hear them laughing and talking, and I just. It just felt like home away from home. But mm-hmm. I do remember having to adapt to certain things. You know, they didn't really have hot water. So we were having like cold showers and it wasn't really like really good electricity. So it was really hard to communicate back at home with family, which, you know, that's mm-hmm. another issue because I have my child at home. I don't know if there's an emergency, but I checked in whatever I could when it, when I did have service. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, the labor intensive work. Oh my goodness, like I have such respect for construction workers, carpenters, anybody who's out building. We were out in like, it was really hot and humid. And, you know, we had to build up a six foot fence around this school and renovate. And you're out there just like breaking a sweat. And, you know, I wasn't really the most fit person. And it's just like, we have to shovel, we have to Mm. drill, we have to hammer and all these things. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is just very new. And I'm not good at math. So I remember we had to take like these courses where he was showing us like the gym. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't know what this is. But mm-hmm. like, once again, made really good friends on the trip and memories for a lifetime. You know, I look over the pictures and I'm like, oh, my gosh, these kids, I remember they used to come and they used to like, we used to play with them and things of that nature. And I was like, that was 10 plus years ago. And so I'm like, I wonder how old they are now, if they're mm-hmm. grown, if they have kids. And those are the things that I think about. I was like. Yeah, it's just just the memories that will always last a lifetime. I feel like you freeze frame that because that's that's how you remember it. But as time goes on, you start to really realize, like, I wonder how the school's doing. I wonder how so-and-so's doing. I wonder, you know, Mm -hmm. what the kids are up to. Those are the things that I I think about when it comes to to that trip because they really genuinely felt like family for me. Yeah. Is there any way for you to, like, see how they're doing? I don't know if you maintain contact with anyone in that area. Yes. Yes. So with the host there in Guatemala, I have her email. She did come up to University of Maryland a couple years back. 
so I did get to go and, you know, we, we spoke and um, I think she also was like collecting donations of like books and clothes. I remember going there for that. And I kept in contact with like one or two of the folks. I'm trying to remember what they were specifically. I guess they were like the lead carpenters. I did keep in contact over Facebook with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like the children, no, I didn't keep in contact with with any of the children. That probably was for safety reasons as right, well. Right, of course. So little at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do keep in contact with a lot of the the folks that I did do the assignment with from college. I definitely still keep in contact with several of those folks. Hmm. Mm, okay. That's good to hear. Yeah. So y'all were really out there working. I remember yes. <laughs> for some reason I was thinking about um, when I was listening to you, I was thinking about, I think I volunteered with Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. It must have been like in high school, I think. And I remember a lot of, like, moving supplies around, but I don't remember actually having to build anything. I don't know if that's just because of maybe I got lucky that day and that that's not what they needed. They just needed a lot of, like, <laughs> moving stuff from here to there. Yes, yeah, so I wasn't, like, having to <laughs> build anything. Not like what y'all were doing in Guatemala with the building up that fence and all the other hard labor stuff you were doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good on you for doing that. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I have no experience with that, even though I did, I guess I did do something similar once way back when, um, it wasn't, it wasn't that labor intensive. So <laughs> good on you for, for doing that. <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> oh, wow. And I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned about how you got along really well with the staff at the place you were, um, staying because I was curious about you know with you having roots in this one Latin American culture if that had any impact on your experience like being able to um, immerse or understand this other Latin American culture that you're experiencing so it's um yeah it's cool to hear that you you know you had like the language and recognize some of the food you know even if you weren't there for a long time, I'm sure that helped make the transition a little, a little easier being there. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So that was Guatemala, and then, and then it was Costa Rica, right? Yes. yes. Okay. So what was the what was that about? So, um, so for Costa Rica, it was for language and history and mm. culture. I took three different classes in Costa Rica. Mm. Um, And this was an interesting program because it wasn't through specifically the University of Maryland study abroad program. It was through USAC, which is a it's a consortium. So for that one, it's very unique because it was my last year of college. And these were folks from all throughout the United States in this program, which was really, really cool. So we were stationed in a little beach town called Punta Arenas. And I took a history course. I took a Spanish course. And salsa dancing lessons as well. Mm. Um, and we stayed with host families. So I got a bit of everything during my experience. The hotel. Yeah, you did. Huge one <laughs> dorm lodging. And then now I'm with the host family. Um, and it was me, another colleague who was from Nevada, who I still keep in contact with to this day. Mm. We were... We lived in the house together, but we weren't in the same room. She had a room in the basement and I had a room up on the top floor. And... Um, our host family was a mom and her daughter. So that was my host mom and, and host sister. And it was a really cool experience. I really, I really enjoyed it from the food to the the weather 
the beaches, you know, we celebrated New Year's there um, mm. with our families. You know, it was like big parties. And then you go to the beach, you watch the fireworks. It was just like one of those oh, like wow. movie movie scenes. It's like yeah, every single say. day, you know, we're walking, <laughs> we're walking to class near the beach. And then, you know, at night we're taking salsa dancing lessons, watching the sunset. And then we're walking back home to eat dinner with our families. And then I would meet back up with my friends in town and we would go out and enjoy nightlife because um, we were of age at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was just really cool. I was like, oh, wow. Like I actually felt like an adult. <laughs> um, I was really enjoying just, like I said, the weather, the scenery, how everything was going. I loved my classes and my professors. Mm-hmm. And um, once again, it two things. I made really great friends on that trip that I still keep in contact with heavily to this day. Mm. And and also the culture. You know, Costa Rica is a little bit closer to, to, to Panama. So, like, there was a lot more, like, connections as well. I already, like, had this love for salsa dancing. So, I already, like, <laughs> knew the foundations and the framework. So, I felt like I really got to polish it while I was there. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was a lot of fun. And it was a great way to, like, end off my study abroad program. If I could have squeezed more in, I would have. <laughs> but it was like, you know what, this, this, this is it. It's a great it's a great way to end it. And that's when I knew I wasn't going to stop traveling from there. I yeah. kind of got the rhythm down and I was like, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super social. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start traveling some more once I once I graduate. If if I had the funding for it, because I will say I didn't pay for any of those um, those programs. They all were scholarship funded. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Yep. W- were they all scholarships from your university? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. I think I did a little bit of fundraising for one of them as well, if I'm not mistaken. Because honestly, if I had to pay for it out of pocket, I don't think I would have have been able to go being a young mom trying to raise my son. Like mm-hmm. if it was like if it was taken away from our child, I'm pretty sure my family would have been like, "No, that's right, not right. happening." <laughs> um, because it was funded, I was able I was able to go. Yeah. Oh, that's that's wonderful that you were able to have those opportunities funded, so you didn't have to worry about that. You know. Yeah. Um, wait. Okay. So with. Italy was like was like three or four weeks. Guatemala was like did you say it was like a week or so since it was an alternative break? Was that yeah, how it was long like it was? ten days, yeah. Okay. A little over a week. Yep. And then Costa Rica was that another like three to four weeks. Three yep. to four weeks. Okay. Gotcha. I was curious since, you know, uh, at the beginning you mentioned being a, a child of immigrants, if that made you approach studying abroad differently than your peers. You already have a connection to another place and you you're you've been to where your parent, where your mom is from before. It's not like you've never been anywhere before or never had to be aware of life existing outside of the states before. Um mm-hmm. so I I'm wondering if did that influence how you approach studying abroad? It's interesting that you ask that because I would definitely say if you're asking me today in my present, I would say absolutely, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it was it was more indirect or unconsciously Hmm. done to be honest with you I don't even think I even thought about that it's just kind of like let me say this so a lot of the programs that I did I would definitely say there weren't enough minority students on them I'll say that Hmm. and being a minority growing up in an immigrant household yes you I feel like we do learn survival skills you know because I was I grew up in a a low-income household so Hmm. I know how to survive when I went over there, like I knew how to budget my money efficiently. <laughs> uh, and uh, yes, there was some like language 
some language aid there because I did have sort of a Spanish speaking background. But I don't think I was fully aware of it, to be honest with you. It was just kind of like, you know, Italy, like I said, was completely new territory. I didn't really speak that language. I went there to really learn about it. Mm-hmm. But I love just like wandering and getting lost and, and talking to people. I didn't realize I, I even had those elements until I until I went. And, you know, like I always tell folks, like, you learn a lot of really good life skills while you're abroad. Problem solving, critical mm-hmm. thinking. I'm in a foreign territory that I don't know. I barely speak the language. I got lost, got kicked off a train because I ended up getting on the wrong train. Like all types of oh, things going wow. on. Like I tell folks. <laughs> but, but they're teachable moments. You, you, you mm-hmm. learn so much is, is, is what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you do, you have, you have to learn. Long story short, I do think there were certain elements that really did aid me in that process. And just the, additional layers that came with it. I remember having students you know be super surprised like oh my gosh like you're a mom and I'm like yeah like my son is you know da-da-da. I left him at home so of course like do you miss him I'm like of course I miss him <laughs> like, yes but you know there's certain things that I want to to do and mm-hmm. I was like I have a supportive enough village that is like you know what we'll hold it down at home until you get back I'm very very uh grateful for them but I remember doing this one activity when we were in Guatemala hmm. and it was called walk the line and I'm not sure if you heard of it but pretty much it's just like a it's a privilege walk Ah, uh, yes and so they ask all these questions and it's like you know take a step forward if you're if your parents are college educated take a step forward if this take a step back if you know you didn't have x y and z and mm-hmm. I remember being at the back with another young lady and I felt ashamed and I was crying and oh, I was like oh no. my god like I you know that wasn't the point of the activity but I think after we had like a debrief, because they were asking like, how did you feel? How did this, how did that? And, you know, you have some folks like, oh my God, like I never knew there were people out here that didn't have X, Y, and Z in their home. Or I didn't know, da, 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 da. Because I was like, I didn't plan on going to college, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and here I am, a young woman of color, daughter of immigrants, low socioeconomic, but I'm here with all of you. So mm-hmm. like, you know, even though I feel ashamed, a part of me is like super grateful, but also understanding that my experience is very unique. Yeah. Um. In all of the trips that I went on, no one else had those exact experiences that that I had, and so I will say, like asking me that today, I'm like that very much did shape me and and how I walked about it because I was just so I tried to be so humble, mm-hmm. you know. I was just super curious. I never went like, oh my god, why doesn't anybody speak English? And I'm just like, well, I'm <laughs> in a foreign territory, so I need to figure out how to communicate in their language. You know, it does. It it, it really does shape you as a person and I would definitely say my mom was that type of person to just taught me to be kind and love everybody because you never know when you would need help and so that's kind of how I moved about all all those foreign spaces just saying hi to everyone and just trying to be as nice and polite as possible um, asking for help when I need it and really trying to immerse myself in, in the culture because I think that is how you really get to learn about those spaces like mm-hmm. we weren't with Taurus, we really were with the locals, so we were forced to speak the language, you know, we're, we're eating the same foods, we're, you know, adapting and trying to speak the language. But for me, it's always the people. It's always the people yeah. um, at the end of the day, because they will, depending on who you are and how you approach coming into their territory, they will either keep you at an arm's reach or they will embrace you with love and tell you, oh, there will always be a place for you when you come back here. And I can definitely say throughout mm-hmm. all the countries that I've gone to, someone has always said, there will always be a space in my home for you when you decide to return. So I'm very much looking back, looking forward to going back to a lot of places that um, I visited. But, you know, COVID has changed dynamics as well. So (laughs) we won't go down that tangent. But uh, (laughs) as things, you know, subside, I would love to revisit some of the friends 
um, and host families that, that I've had while I was away. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful to, to, to be welcomed in that way and to have like that standing invitation. Like, you know, you're always going to be welcome here whenever you come back. That's, it's so beautiful when, um, people express kindness in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. especially to someone, you know, they don't know. It's just some, you know, some young person from a, from a foreign country spending time with them for this, you know, limited period of time, but to even turn around and be like, you know, you can come back anytime. I will welcome you. That's that's really heartwarming. So I'm glad that you got to experience that. Yeah, and uh, the the walk the line. I, I remember doing that when I was in college, and um, I never considered it being something that uh, people might feel ashamed about. Looking where they end up versus where their peers end up through that exercise. So. Um, Sorry, you <laughs> you felt that way, but at the same time, like you said, you have your peers may have had all these things that you didn't have, but you still you were still there with them. You know, it's not like they were any better. They just mm-hmm. they just had more things, but you know, you still <laughs> you still were there with them. Um, I'm just remembering past conversations where people had that realization, like, oh yeah, I mean these people aren't any better than me, you know, (laughs) uh, I'm here with them. I'm here doing the same thing and I can, I can do as much as, as they can, even if I might be, I mean, I know, and it's a, maybe a loaded term, but quote unquote disadvantaged, I'm still out here with the rest of them and they're, they're no better. We're all just, we're all out here, you know? Anyway, I feel like I was rambling, but anyhow, um, (laughs) thank you for, yeah, go ahead. Just based off something that you had said, I think that also helped with my approach and connection with people. Mm. You know, I did. I never saw myself as as better than them. And I would definitely say Guatemala was one of those humbling experiences because, you know, like I said, we're in a rural. It's called it was a rural reservation surrounding this volcano. Mm. You know, we don't really have good cell service or internet or anything cold showers all these things but they were so happy you know and it was like the less they had the more happier they were and it really changed me as a person because when I came back I was like oh my gosh like the anxiety of having my phone going off every minute for somebody contacting me I didn't have that in (laughs) Guatemala you know Mm -hmm. so it's like those are things that just just I honestly thought about in terms of like how I I wanted to have more of a minimalistic life Mm. I felt like the more I had stressed me out versus being somewhere where I had the bare minimum just for to be able to get by. And I was so happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of the, the backbreaking sweaty work, <laughs> and the heat, <laughs> outside of that, right. you know, it still was a community building experience and really just enjoying what Guatemala had to offer. We were so present in the moment. Like mm-hmm. there, there was no service for our phones, So we had no choice but to talk to each other. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. And um, I'm sure you came home with all kinds of, of stories and maybe even photos, if that's something you that you were trying to do while you were away. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how your folks felt about, I mean, obviously, they were supportive enough to like, uh, look after your son while you were traveling. But you know, once you came back, and we're telling them about all the things you did, you know, um, how did they respond to, to hearing about those trips that you went on? most part there were pretty good responses um you know folks would laugh at my crazy adventures of something silly that I did or that I learned um, or said um 
because everything was like a teachable moment. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed coming back and sharing those stories. I always said my stories were the best souvenirs outside yeah. of me coming back safe. Um, right, my course. stories were the second best <laughs> souvenirs I could give anyone, which really was impetus behind me tra- like doing my travel blogging because it was like, you know, I was sharing it with whoever wanted to hear it. But I was like, rather than telling the same story a hundred times, mm-hmm. I could just write it down and everybody can read it at yeah. leisure. <laughs> so that's why I started blogging. It just made it easier versus having to, you know, tell it over and over again. Even though I was still passionate about telling it because it's like it's it's my story, you know, um, and unique to me. I was like, this is something I get to like own. I take great pride in it. But mm-hmm. yes, I would say overall, people lived vicariously through me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then you also have folks who just didn't understand you know there wasn't like pushback but it was like oh that was cool I don't know if I could ever do that or if I would want to do that da, da, da. and I was like okay you know like it's not for everyone you know mm-hmm. but that's what I'm saying that's what helped me to be able to travel to so many other countries and really adapt to how people live you know mm-hmm. I always make sure I stay with the local I try to do like an Airbnb and stay with the local when I travel because I want to go where the locals go you know and really get as much of an authentic experience as possible. And I think because I require so little, it really trips a lot of my hosts up, which is why we end up connecting. Because it's like, mm. you're this young American girl and they see me and it's just like, they're automatically, and I don't travel light. Let me say that. I don't travel light. They're like, oh my God, <laughs> this girl's coming. She's probably like high maintenance. I don't know how to accommodate her. But then they see like how little I need, how I don't complain, how I eat whatever, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. have any dietary restrictions or allergies, whatever they cook, I eat, and I'm taking cold showers. And I don't know, it's just like, I just think of all my host families who are just like, like I said, welcome me back because, you know, they would talk about the horror stories of, oh, this person can't eat this or, oh, this person was like, where's the hot water or where's this or where's that? And it's just like, I don't complain. It's like, you're opening up your home to me. I will, I'm going to live you know, the same way. And I, and I don't complain about it. So mm-hmm. those are, those are things that I've, I've personally taken into my little toolkit when I travel, just knowing like, okay, not sure what to expect, but going in prepared for whatever is going to be thrown at me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, uh, you mentioned how Costa Rica was like your last hurrah while you were in undergrad, but that it also confirmed for you that you were not done traveling. You wanted to keep traveling. After after that, after you graduated, you know, what are some other places that you um, have been able to go to? If I don't know if you could think of any, like, favorites or most memorable places, but, you know, where, you know, where else did your travels take you after you, after you graduated? Uh, a lot of different places. <laughs> um, but I can't say that I have favorites. I mean, that's, like, I, I just try to get rid of that word because folks are always just right. like, what was your yeah. favorite place? And I'm like, oh, that's, I can't. Can't say a favorite. Yeah. So I do like the idea <laughs> of where you were like, what was your most memorable? Mm-hmm. And I can say Japan definitely was probably like my most culture shock mm. out of all the trips that I've taken. I feel like anywhere that I've gone throughout the diaspora, you know, Latin American countries, Caribbean, even um, Africa as well, there was this sense of home away from home, you know, mm-hmm. just this 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 connection, as my friend called it. Um, who studies it, she calls it a blood memory, being in these places you've never been, but you feel so connected to, you know, mm. the diaspora runs through my veins. And so yeah, I love being anywhere where we have uh, folks of the African diaspora. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say in Japan where that that's not really the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember going there and I had to go there for work. So I will say that I went there for work and then I stayed a little bit uh, extra. But 
when I went there for work, I had to be stationed on an Air Force base, and I have no military background. Mm. <laughs> so I had to learn the hard way that you are supposed to stop when that horn is being blown at a certain time. Mm. Had no clue. Found that out the hard way. Um, <laughs> I didn't speak Japanese. Um, so when I did go out and about, it was like hit or miss. Like I learned like a couple of little phrases, but, you know, I had to master you know, gestures and hand and miming and pointing at things because I was just like, I, it, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, you know, I, if you've been to Japan, specifically to- the Tokyo region, the train system, I would definitely say that was interesting. It's like if you've ever seen videos of the train during rush hour, like I experienced every bit of that. When I say they jam pack you <laughs> like sardines and I am a short woman. I was just like, oh, this is not it. Like, I was just smushed in there between all and between all these folks. And, you know, it's, there's no, like, you know, like, at home, well, I can only speak for, like, a DMV area when you're on the train, you know, like, yeah, during rush hour, you may be, like, up, up against somebody, but you're not, like, squished against them. <laughs> so, I remember that um, was interesting. Uh, also, there's a thing where... When it does clear out and you're sitting down, like, it is common for a stranger to sleep on you. So I had this random woman oh, that fell asleep uh, on me. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, that happened. That happens. Uh, and I wasn't good with chopsticks since I remember going to this restaurant and asking for a fork. The waitress said something. Everyone laughed. And then she came out literally with a baby fork that I could only hold by, by palming it with my fingers. Like, I couldn't even hold the fork. It was so tiny. And I asked someone, I was like... Is this a joke? And they was like, yeah, she said only babies use forks. And so I was like, oh, oh I'm not using this fork. I put it down all angry. They and I'm like, with the chopsticks, things flying everywhere. But my pride wouldn't let me use that little baby fork. I was like, nope, we're just going, we're going to thug this out today. Um, learned about like the traditions with like slurping. I was like, oh my God, folks here are so rude. Everyone's slurping their food. But apparently, you know, that was compliments to the chef that it meant that mm-hmm. the food was tasty. So then yep. I had to learn about that. Um, the floor toilets freaked me out. I was just like, where, where's the real toilet? Like, <laughs> I remember going somewhere and they were like, nope, that, that is the toilet. And I was like, well, how, how do I use it? And they're like, well, it's a squat toilet. You, you, you squat and aim. Mm-hmm. I squatted. I tried to aim. <laughs> I, I may have missed. I don't know. But I learned about floor toilets the hard oh, way. Uh, just so many different things. I was like, oh my God, Japan really gave me a run for my money. But I want to go back because now I know what to expect. I learned those yeah. things literally just being thrown into it. And folks always laugh, but I'm like, no, like seriously. I legit was like, where's the rest of this toilet? Like, mm. it, it was a lot. Um, that's probably my most memorable because I had the most culture shock from it. Yeah. Um, but I would definitely say, even going to Africa, I got to go at the beginning of 2020 before everything had shut down. Mm-hmm. Went take this trip to the motherland. I got to go to Togo, Benin, and Ghana. Um, it was amazing. I think very much like a spiritual awakening journey for me, you know, going to the slave castles and paying homage to my ancestors and mm-hmm. doing the the return home, just everything about it, the the food, the music. It was just, it was a great spiritual connection for me. I would definitely say that. Mm-hmm. And I love going throughout the Latin American countries and the Caribbean because um, very much, like I said, very similar connections to what I grew up eating and listening to and just the vibes everything about it i'm i'm a big outdoorsy girl so i love being outside i'm not like a beach bum where i want to be at the beach all day there are some people that are like that i'm Mm -hmm. not i really enjoy like camping and hiking and i like lush and greenery and mountains i do like the beach but i just i don't like being there all day long um 
trying to think, is there anywhere else that's memorable? I loved Colombia. Like, that's right next door to my, my, you know, my family's home country. And mm-hmm. I remember being there. It was only supposed to be, I want to say, anywhere between 10 days to two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. But this was back in 2016 or 2017, where there were actually several um, hurricanes that had hit the islands. And then there was a huge earthquake that hit Mexico. This all happened mm. around the same time. And I actually got stuck in Colombia because there were no flights going back home because of all of the natural uh, disasters that were taking place. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not a bad thing to get stuck in Colombia. I'll definitely tell you that. Like, I enjoyed staying there extra, but I did need to get back home to my sons. So I remember it took me like two or three days to get back home because mm-hmm. I had to fly to all these different places and reroute in order to get home safely. So I did get to visit a, a couple of other places. But I will say this, because I know this was like super long, long-winded. No, you're good. People always ask me in terms of, where I went after um, I graduated, I didn't want too much culture shock. Like I knew I wanted to travel some more. Mm-hmm. I knew it couldn't be anywhere super expensive because I wasn't really making money like that. I started off by doing like a cute little road trip from LA to San Diego. Mm. And then later on, I did a backpacking tour through Canada where um, oh, I got nice. to use some of my French speaking skills. I mean, they weren't the best, but I remember going, you know, to Toronto and then Montreal and Quebec. And it was just, it was amazing. I honestly really loved Canada and I can't wait to go back. And I also had a mentor who lived there. So I got to stay with her in Ottawa Mm. for a couple of days. Um, And then from there, I just started like branching out to like places here and there. But I would say like my, my, the job that I have had for the past like eight years now, I do a lot of diversity, equity, inclusion trainings. And so I was facilitating trainings overseas to our faculty and staff. And so I got the opportunity Mm -hmm. to go, you know, visit different countries in Europe. And, you know, it sent me over to Asia. Um, So I I will say I am grateful that it wasn't on my dime. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's real, yeah. (laughs) But uh, let me have that off the record. No, I'm joking. But, uh, (laughs) But it allowed me, like, you know, because they pay for the transportation there, then it was easier to be able to bounce around any other place. Like Europe is one mm-hmm. of those amazing places that once you're in there, it's so cheap to get around. And so I moved around a lot of different places while I was there. So it's just funny that when you were talking about, I think you said you studied abroad in France, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What part of France? I was in Paris the whole time. Okay. So it's just interesting because like, I feel like I have to redo Paris <laughs> because I had so many external factors that contributed to it not being the best trip that I envisioned for Paris. Hmm. Um, I will say I, I'm a very like nostalgic and sentimental person. So like I always knew I wanted to go to Paris because I loved ballet. Mm, um, right, and yeah. I had this huge Eiffel Tower poster in my room when I was a child. And I always said like one day I'm going to go to Paris and I want to visit the Eiffel Tower. So when that opportunity happened, Folks are looking at me while I'm in the while I'm literally in the elevator going to the Eiffel Tower. I'm boohooing, crying because I'm oh. like so nostalgic. And folks are like, "What is wrong with this girl?" And I'm sitting there just crying, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like I'm doing it. This is happening. I'm here." Yeah. You know, um, I think that was the best part of it, and seeing like all the beautiful historical sites. But I really didn't enjoy the food. You know, people are always talking about like how stuffy and cold you know Parisians are. They weren't the most friendly mm. um, at times, and um, my bank card got frozen while I was there. So I remember having this mm. nice elaborate meal that I couldn't pay for. <laughs> oh my gosh. And almost having the police call to me. And I was just like, yo, like Paris is not it for me on this oh, trip. Like, And then the place I stayed had no elevator. And the woman was literally like on 
like eighth or ninth floor and I had three bags. I had to do three trips up and down those stairs with my bags. And I was like, oh my gosh. So when I tell people like, I am learning things so for other people to not have to repeat my mistakes. I'm like, (laughs) travel light, you know, do this, do that. Make sure you have cash at all times. Cause Mm -hmm. I like, I have learned all of the things that could go wrong on a trip in so Mm -hmm. many different places. So yeah, yeah. I can laugh about it now, but in those moments I'm like, how am I going to get out of this? Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, maybe maybe Paris would need a redo. But, like, also, like you said, you learn the good and the not so good. And, and then other people can, in turn, learn from your own experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're all, they're all learning opportunities, as inconvenient as they may be. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you mentioned... Um, because you said you're, you, you know, you're an educator and then you also do uh, work having to do with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. This sounds weird saying, saying this, but it's kind of hot right now. Like DEI is like really hot right now, especially I'm sure blew up uh, a lot following, um, the whole George Floyd thing, um, back in, oh, I was going to say last year. That was 2020, right? Yep. My concept of time is just, you know, anyhow, this pandemic and the concept of time is really um, shaking things up. But I know, I feel like I saw a lot more um, DEI initiatives pop up surrounding that. And or I've seen criticism of how, uh, in the one hand, it seems like DEI is a great thing to make some really great changes, uh, especially in, in workplaces and things like that. And on the other hand, it's like, oh, well, maybe it's just like, a new way, like a cover to continue just doing the same old thing. And so um, I say all that to say, what's your approach to DEI? Because I feel like it's so, it's so hot right now, but then there's so many misgivings about how effective it is or what the intentions are uh, behind the people who claim to be experts in it. So as an expert in it, <laughs> I'm wondering what your, what your take is on teaching and, and promoting those principles. Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned the word like intentions. I mean, this is something I'm super passionate about and I feel like I've been living and breathing it subconsciously for so long hmm. where I talk about, you know, being raised in a, in a, in a multicultural household. I don't know if I mentioned this, but when I was at university of Maryland, you know, I live with the foreign exchange and international students, you know, some mm-hmm. of them didn't really speak the language. But, you know, we're sharing all the common spaces, cooking together, like everything you can think of. Yeah. Um, and then studying abroad in all these foreign places. So I feel like naturally I was being shaped to embrace differences, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I always felt different in my community as well. So I definitely say I take a lot of my experience and stories in my trainings to make it, you know, connections and to make it relatable. But I would definitely say, like, one of the things both that I do in my nine-to-five job as well as through Journey Mom is really promoting this idea of trying to to focus more on the hidden similarities versus the visible differences. Hmm. Because throughout my travels, people of different gender, different age, different religion, different experience of, of life in general – very different from mine, I connected with. Like, you'd be like, how in the heck are you both, like, like, where was the connecting point? So I think for me, I'm always just about, like, the human connection piece. I think there's a lot of things that make us so divisive that we forget at the end of the day we're human beings all looking to be loved, valued, accepted, to have the basic necessities 
you know, of life type of thing. So that's how I, how like I always like approach situations. Hmm. Um, but always, always thinking about like the different levels of like intersecting identities. And it's something we talk about, like, you know, the more, you know, when it comes to intersectionality, sometimes it can really, really boost privilege and sometimes it can really, really enhance discrimination. So I do try to bring that to the awareness of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for my trainings, you know, it really is like community driven. Like I tell folks, yes, I may be, the quote unquote subject matter expert, but they're like, let's say I have a, a training of 30 people. There are 30 brains in here. I'm mm-hmm. not the only one with the answer. I want us to come up collectively with some answers. And so mm-hmm. I do like a lot of like turn in talks and we do activities. I share stories. I have folks share their stories and we really do try to like dissect it and talk about it. But intention is key. There are places that, you know, do things just to check a box. Yeah. At the end of the day, my intention is coming from a good place. I can't speak for the institution itself, but mm-hmm. I do know that, my trainings are impactful. Um, a lot of people always give me really good feedback. And I love getting feedback from people who were first resistant. I would definitely say I have folks who will come in there and it's like, who is this young? Because that's the first thing they judge me based <laughs> off my age. Oh, goodness. And then being a young woman of color. And it's just like, well, what does she have to teach me? And I love when I have folks who, you know, may start off disengaged or you can see, you know, their demeanor where their hands are folded or they look, you know, disinterested. And at the end, they're just like, I actually learned a lot from this training. I really appreciate you doing it. Those mm-hmm. are the those are the ones that really impact me. So yes, DEI is a sticky space because some folks are like, oh, people are um, organizations, you know, or who are like, oh, we're on an anti-racist initiative. Like I said, I can't speak for the organization whether or not they're doing it for the right purpose. But mm-hmm. I can definitely say for me, yeah, I come in knowing that I want to make a change, that I want to have positive impact, and so that's that's the task at hand. I try to do it to the best of my ability. I mm-hmm. always try to make sure I tell folks nothing can be accomplished within that hour or two hour training. Mm. Like if that was the case that our society wouldn't be as is. This, right. is, a, this is a journey <laughs> with this type of work. And so yeah. I don't want it to be a one-off where, Oh, you learned everything this to you know solve and, and world peace. Like, no, like mm-hmm. I need us to, this needs to be an ongoing, an ongoing thing um, in order for us to get to the end goal, which is, you know, me trying to increase cultural competence, cultural awareness, you know, communication mm-hmm. skills. These are all the things that I really do try to educate um, employees on. Because like I tell folks, you know, like these aren't new things. Like most of these are refreshers. For some people, they would think it's just common sense. But some mm-hmm. people, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Some people are coming in from a place of ignorance and some people are not. Um, I do think energy is real. I'm very big on energy. And I know when someone is being authentic and I know when someone's being ingenuine. And it's mm-hmm. like, I can only control myself and how I react to you, but I know where my heart is. And so I'm going to continue to do the work that I feel like I was divinely appointed to do. And my friends are always like, I'm so glad it's you because I can talk about this all day, every day. And some of my friends, like I am tired of teaching people (laughs) how to teach themselves. And I get it. I'm always telling folks this work is self-driven. Like if this is your first time entering into DEI space, great. I'm glad I'm the person to be able to expose you to it. But Mm -hmm. this is not enough. There needs to be self-work done behind this to supplement it. You know, I'm giving you a framework and a base. Now I need you to do your own work. There are plenty of books and documentaries and articles and groups that you can join to learn more things. But it is it is murky waters. I get questions about it all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like my heart's in the right place. I'm doing what what I need to do. And I'm hoping that the institutions are are taking it more seriously. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned you, you have the passion to, to uh, keep doing it and not, um, 
get tired of having to teach people because I've I've heard that as well. Like I, I'm <laughs> that <laughs> people being tired of having to teach people. Like you know, you're you're doing your best at, at with your own contribution to it. But obviously, like you said, you can't speak for everyone else doing the same work or all the institutions that claim to have this as a priority. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate you speaking on that. Um, as you said, you know, you, you, you are your own person. Uh, when you were in Guatemala and people were asking like, uh, do you miss your son? And you're like, well, yeah, but you know, I, I'm a person who wants to do other things too, you know? So if what what I'm about to ask doesn't apply to you, then that's fine. But I I was curious as to um, when it came to travel or studying abroad, and then later on traveling, um, just you know, as an adult outside of school after graduating, um, did you ever have a sense that you were trying to set an example for your son in terms of you know what might be possible for him or? Maybe uh, you wanting him to be interested in travel as well. Was that ever um, on your mind when you were studying abroad or even your travels after after college as well? Yes, I would definitely say I thought more of that post-college for sure. I think mm-hmm. in college I wasn't thinking about it because he was so young. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely say definitely have thought about it over the years post-college. Uh, you know, I've sent my son to very diverse schools. His friends are from all over the world. Mm. And I love it because it's just like he has an appreciation for different cultures. Like, mom, I learned this word today. Or mom, I learned about this religion or this holiday or whatever. Like he's being exposed to it. Mm -hmm. And so even though he has been to a lot of different uh, places domestically, I didn't get him his passport until he had hit double digits. Mm. That was for different reasons um, as well. You know, COVID had hit when his passport came, which I was really sad about. I was like, oh, wow, like he can't use it until, you know, the foreseeable future. But I said, well, one, I didn't make a lot of money. So a lot of the ways that I traveled were for a solo traveler. I will say that because I was like, you didn't take your son anywhere. And it's just like, well, I barely had enough money for me to go. (laughs) (laughs) So like I went and I did it in a very minimalistic way. When you travel with children, it looks very different, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I don't want to go to places and my son is like, can I get a hot dog or a cheeseburger? (laughs) They don't have they here. No. (laughs) So I had to, these are things that I had to think about, but I felt like as he got older, he would appreciate, you know, that this is costly. This is, um, I want it to be an experience that he would remember. Mm. And so yeah. I waited till he was a little bit older. And yeah, my son. So it's funny. So I got to take him to Puerto Rico last year mm. and he absolutely loved it. And I think also because, you know, it it was just enough culture shock, but it also wasn't a whole lot because it's like, oh, OK, like, you know, a little bit of Spanish. Like I understand some of the foods and, and things of that nature. So, I mean, it was different, but he enjoyed it overall. Mm. The thing is. When I asked him, because I was like, oh, yes, like, got him on board. You know, I'm making a little bit more money. I can take him on travels. Where do you want to go next? Japan. I said, you got Japan money? What in the world? So we just went from Puerto Rico to Japan. Oh, gosh. So my son loves anime. He loves sushi. He's just, you know, he wants to learn Japanese. He's, you know, I was like, okay, like, I I respect it. At least you know why you want to go. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not just picking random places. He knows he wants to go there. He even, I think for one of his classes, he had to pick a country of interest and do research. And obviously he had to do it on Japan. Like yeah. he had to, it was, it was great. And, um, that's awesome. so yes, I would say more from a present point, I want him to be able to 
be culturally competent to mm-hmm. understand that there are people out here that are very different from you. They live differently. They, you know, practice different religion, have different value systems, whatever the case may be. I was like the same way that, you know, you have your friends who are all here that are kind of adapting to this, this way of life. When you leave out of here, it does not always look this way. And I need you to be prepared for when you, when you leave out. So yeah, I actually really enjoy it because my son was like, mom, I can't wait to travel. I can't wait to do this and do that. And I was like, I can't wait to get a job so you can travel too. <laughs> this is I do push that because I yeah. think where my mom really kept a, a tight leash, so to speak, you know, she didn't really want me to go far away, which is why I stayed local for college. And like mm-hmm. my son knows, like I'm that mom was like, baby, if you're a plane right away, you're a plane right away. That doesn't mean anything to me. Mm. Um, so I really do push for him to be able to expose himself to the world at large. I was like, there's so many places you can go. You let me know yeah. if it is within the <laughs> means we can go. If it's not, then that's why I told him that's where the sacrifice needs to come in. I said, mommy sacrifices a lot to be able to travel. You mm-hmm. also need to sacrifice as well if you want to travel. You cannot get, you know, every new shoe, every new game. Like, that's going to take away from the travel. And I said, the one thing that my bank goes to is food and travel. Anything mm-hmm. else is optional. <laughs> so, food and travel. Um, yeah. Yeah. Got to have your priorities together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's honest. And, um, yeah, that's so <laughs> glad that you are um, – Nurturing that interest in him while still being real about the fact that it costs (laughs) to go to these places. So you mentioned how he really wants to go to Japan. Um, Mm -hmm. Are there any places you have on your mind that you would like to go to in the future? Uh, It's more of where I don't want to go. I think that's the shorter list. Mm. (laughs) There's so many places that I want to go to. I definitely want to venture back over to Africa um, and I want to visit East Africa. That's Mm. that's high on my bucket list. Um, I also there's a a couple of places within Europe that I would like to visit. Obviously, you know, Europe is a little bit unstable right now with some of the things that are taking Mm. place. So I really would have to put a pause on that. Um, But I was making a list and I was like, oh, my gosh, like I really I always wanted to do a like the seven wonders of the world. I got to see Chichen Itza mm. in Mexico. So I was like, oh, like I got to go see Machu Picchu next. So I definitely really want to go like Peru. And um, I've always wanted to go to like the Greek islands. I wanted to visit like the Canary Islands. Um, yeah, there's a lot of places that I would like to go. I would definitely say, I mean, like it's a very extensive list. Now, if you mm-hmm. ask me where I don't want to go <laughs> yeah, or that I'm not, let me not say don't want to go. That's very strong. Places that are not high on my list. We'll put it that way. Because I've been able to touch at least five out of the seven continents so Mm -hmm. far, I always tell folks the other two, like, it's a hit or miss. I have no desire to visit Antarctica. Um, (laughs) I love penguins, but I have no desire to go to Antarctica. I hate cold weather. And, you know, Australia, I mean, it's just never been high on my bucket list. And folks are Mm -hmm. like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's not one of those places that really stood out to me per se. But in addition... It also is really, really far away. It takes a long time yeah. to get there. And I already have flight anxiety. I was like, there's but so many pills. Oh, I yeah. Take. So that I'm just sense. like, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm not sure I'm going to make it, you know, to over there yet. But um, yeah, definitely uh, mm-hmm. a long, extensive list of places that I, that I would like to go to. Okay. Yeah. So keeping your options open, but uh, for Antarctica and Australia, it's a... A no-go, or at least, you know, (laughs) not ever in the near future, at least. Yeah, not Um, in the foreseeable near future. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. And do you have, you mentioned as far as affording study abroad that you were able to get scholarships to cover that, which is fantastic. 
Um, I'm wondering, in general, can you think of any pieces of advice or major takeaways that you would like to share to encourage someone who wants to study abroad like you did? Or even with um, your solo travel, if someone wants to do that as well, any advice you would like to share? Yes. So let's see, for the study abroad piece, you know, one of the things I'm always pushing for is definitely we need more students of color to study abroad. I can definitely Hmm. say that because I try to think of like, you know, with my friends, they were like, it wasn't really something that was on the top of their mind. Hmm. Um, But I think because of my major, really, it was a requirement. That's the only reason that I got to know about it, to be honest with you. Hmm. And so I would definitely say it's just one of those things you have to do. Oh, my goodness. Like, and once you do it, like, you really do get the travel bug. (laughs) Um, Like, once you start, I tell people, it's very, traveling is contagious. Once you start it's hard to stop. But I do try to tell people, you you have to be open-minded and prepared to understand that there are going to be some hiccups along the way. Hmm. You know, I think people go and kind of think everything's going to be flawless, for you know, so to speak. And I'm just like, no, that that's not it. Like, you may get lost. You know, you may have an encounter that doesn't go so well due to cultural barriers, so to speak. A lot of different things is, 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 what, is what I think of. However... I feel like it's one of those necessary things. Um, like I said, like certain places have definitely humbled me a lot, you know, like mm. they, and they, they naturally think of Americans, you know, it's just like, just very uh, pompous and very entitled. And mm-hmm. it's just like, when you were, when you were asking about like, you know, setting an example, I immediately thought about that. I was like, if I'm the first American that they ever encounter, if I'm the first one of woman of color, they ever encountered, there's a certain example that I want to display and mm. set. And it's a high one. And I remember going to places where, you know, like you would hear people talk badly about Americans. Um, then they would find out I'm American. Be like, no, but you're different because you're, you're technically you're not American. Your family's not from there. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, here we go. Well, yes, oh, I am the daughter of immigrants. I get that. Yes, we'll go with that. But just trying to paint a completely different picture mm-hmm. of what they think of when they think of Americans. Um, in terms of like the solo traveling piece, you know, that honestly happened because I had this love of travel, but, you know, as we get older, our schedules, you know, change mm-hmm. and people have different financial um, levels and things of that nature. And so it was like, I would plan trips and it's like, nobody could go. And so like, that really would have you start to resent your friends. It's like, yo, I'm missing out on all these great life experiences waiting on y'all and y'all keep mm-hmm. flaking. So that's why I ended up just going on my own. And once I found out like, oh, I could actually do this, I continued to do it. And I enjoyed being by myself because I didn't have to accommodate anybody else. Yeah. But in terms of like being a female solo trial, you know, like I do a lot of research. I definitely try to stay in Airbnbs that have a female host. You know, Mm. obviously don't stay out late at night getting drunk and things of that nature. Um, I am a very assertive, extroverted person. So I do make my presence very known. I will say that. And I never feel like I am by myself. Like I may go alone, but I never end up being alone because I always meet so many incredible people that I end up having these adventures with. And Mm. so it is interesting because I have been really like encouraging some of my friends to do it. And when my friends finally did it, even though she's more on the introverted side, she was like, I'm so glad that I did it. She was like, it's one of those things I was super nervous about, but I've done it. And now I want to do it again. I tell folks, it is very possible to be a female traveler abroad Mm -hmm. and feel safe. Um, Sometimes you feel safer there than at home because, you know, Mm. anything can happen anywhere. You're just using basic common sense is kind of how I feel. Mm -hmm. Um, trying to think is there anything else and like I said just budgeting you know like I make sacrifices you know I don't like shop and and do extra things it's kind of like I know my money goes towards 
you know, basic necessities for my household, make sure my household's taken care of. And then it's food and travel. I don't do anything really extra. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to think if there was any other advice. Oh, and I just tell people just, just do it. Like I'm not <laughs> championing Nike's like motto, just do it. But <laughs> like, that's honestly how I feel. It's one of those things you have to just, you have just to do, do it. it. You yeah. won't understand until you do it. There's so many, you know, people who have reservations like, oh my God, you're crazy. And this, that, and the other. And it's just like, I understand that life is very short and I want to do as much as I can while I'm here. And I really want to make impact. And I think I've been doing that in all the different spaces that I've gone to by really, you know, showing people, I don't know, I only can speak for me. Like Mm -hmm. some people call me an anomaly. I, I don't always feel that way, but I'm just like, no, like I'm a human being. I'm curious about the world and I'm just trying to approach you on, on the same level, not no better, no, no, no lesser, nothing. It's just like, I'm here just trying to absorb it all and take it all in. And so um, I definitely do try to champion other people to do more full immersion travel. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong, you know, with going, you know, you want to be in a nice, luxurious hotel and do the all-inclusive. That's fine. That's just not my style. I just know that when I go, I want to connect with the people. And yeah. I can't connect with the people being a five-star hotel because it, it really is power dynamics. Like, yeah, I'll mm-hmm. talk to the staff, but it's like, you know, they're already creating this picture of you based off where you're staying it like they literally is a power dynamic that you won't be able to connect unless you're literally staying locally for mm-hmm. sure so that's that's why i like to to travel in that way um and then one last thing i promise i feel like i'm rambling as well no you're good i'm just listening to you you're good i was thinking about <laughs> when i was talking about all the different hats that i wear and so i was thinking about you know march you know women's history month mm-hmm. and just um telling people I am a woman first, <laughs> like out of everything, you know, yes, I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister. I'm, I'm so many of these, these roles, but mm-hmm. I do see myself as a woman first in this world. And mm-hmm. I think that kind of is the, the driving force for, for a lot of different things for me um, and how I see spaces. Um, yeah. As, as a woman first. And I think it gives us a lot more, a lot more empathy, you know, when I mm-hmm. think about decisions, people in my life have made depending on like their importance or how influential they were and it's like no they were a woman first and they made the best decision for themselves yeah at that time and so I give them more grace when I look at it from from that way um but I will say I've also you know I definitely made connections with with men across the globe as well you know of of all different walks of life and you know, I didn't get like no weird, creepy, like I'm trying to hit on you type of vibes. Like, as folks are like, oh, this, this sounds bad. Like, no, like I legit have met some really cool people that I've had really great conversations with and I bid them adieu and they went their way and I went my way. And I was like, oh, I, like I really enjoyed that conversation. It was, and it could be from people that I would have never thought I would have spoken to, like yeah. ever. And here we are, like having this great conversation in this foreign country. We're both here, solo travelers, whatever, whatever. It's just, I, 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 I can definitely say, I have met a lot more solo traveling men mm. on my travels than I have for women. And they're always like, oh, my goodness, like, do you feel safe? Like, how is it? Oh, my God. Like, they always commend me because they're like, I don't come across a lot of female travelers by themselves. And I'm mm. just like, yeah, I mean, I'm doing it, you know. And <laughs> it's 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 been a good experience. I, I definitely enjoy it. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing, um, you know, all those really important things to think about as far as um, – people studying abroad and people just traveling in general. And I really appreciate you um, touching on having um, grace and empathy for others. Like you were saying how you don't want to be perceived a certain way for being American. It helps to not have too rigid of a 
what am I trying to say? Too rigid of a perspective when you're, you know, approaching other people as well and assessing other people as well. So yeah, appreciate you touching on, on grace and empathy. I'm sure we all could use more of that. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, my, my last question for you was, uh, where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you'd like them to do so? Yes. So, um, my website is journeymom.com. So you can definitely go on there, check out my blogs. So blogs, all of my services, I do speaking engagements as well as DEI trainings. I do crafted cocktails for those who are in the DMV area. Um, I have an online boutique and I also do apparel as well. So it's a lot of different moving parts on there, but there's an introduction about me. You can read over everything that the website has. And I also, um, you can subscribe. So I do, you know, try to send out monthly or quarterly newsletters, um, with like updates of, of new things coming up or things that I had the opportunity to do. Um, if you are on social media, you can follow me, um, at journey.mom. Um, I also have another one that's at culture underscore enthusiasts. I do have two um, Instagrams and also on Facebook, you know, um, what is it? Facebook.com slash journey mom. You can find me that way as well. So, mm. yep. Okay. Yeah. Lots of options. Um, Journeymom.com. I'm going to see if I, I, I can get it off from what you just said. Journeymom.com. <laughs> Journey.mom or culture enthusiasts on Instagram. Right. And then also journey mom on Facebook as well. Did I get it? Yep. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. So perfect. Uh, Lots of options for people to find you and, and um, engage with uh, what you're doing both within the DMV area and virtually as well. So yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm glad we were able to get the, the, audio situated (laughs) so that didn't have to be an issue um and i hope you have enjoyed this as much as i have had um as much as i've enjoyed listening to you (laughs) um i definitely want to say thank you for the opportunity to be able to to share my story like when i when i saw it i was like oh i definitely want to be a part of this mission so thank you for having me and and allowing it 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 has has been a very fun conversation oh yeah of course of course you're very welcome i'm glad to hear that it was fun for you uh as as i said it's been fun for me too but for now i uh hope you have a great rest of your evening and um great rest of your women's history month (laughs) and um yeah i will be in touch okay okay same to you take care all right you too take care natasha bye All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Natasha for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook, and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to Young, Gifted, and Abroad wherever podcasts are, and you are welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you leave ratings and reviews. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So, for the next episode in two weeks, 
The guest is a mystery because that interview not only has not been recorded yet, but I don't know who that person's going to be. So hopefully I can work it out and get that squared away. You and I are just going to have to find out together. So <laughs> you can look forward to hearing that episode in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.